Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the Endo Week of May 13th to May 19th. I'm your host Colin McIsaac and as always I'm joined by Alex Plant. Nintendo World Champion. And Ben LeMoreau. I was actually going to say that same thing. Alex, you... <laughs> <laughs> this week we got a lot of really wide range of Nintendo news, so there's not really any one umbrella that I can put it under, but we'll uh, we'll dig in in just a sec. After the break, we're going to be talking about Nintendo games that sadly we haven't played, so none of us know what's on each other's lists, and when we find out, we're going to be heavily shaming each other for the awesome titles that we've missed out on. So let's dig in. So Nintendo's CEO, Satoru Iwata, talked a lot about Nintendo's mobile strategy this week. Nintendo will be launching its first game for mobile devices later this year, and they plan to launch five of them by April 2017. So mobile won't contribute much to Nintendo this year, but Iwata says it will become a pillar for revenue next year. However, that doesn't mean Nintendo will just copy the extortionist pricing models of other mobile publishers. Instead, Nintendo wants to attract as many consumers as they can worldwide. So their goal is to receive smaller amounts of money, but from a larger number of people. I think that's interesting just because that's basically what the mobile market is already. You know, maybe a few hundred million people own dedicated gaming consoles, but over a billion people own a smartphone. So you just release games for cheaper prices to a larger audience. But it seems like Iwata wants to go even a step further. Like he believes that many mobile publishers today are still charging too much or still have too many uh, in-game microtransactions and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see if he follows through with this and Nintendo really does have a, a more user-friendly price model that doesn't you know, extort people right. like you said. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me more like he's talking about um, more about the microtransactions than the entry price for buying the game itself. Given, given what he said, it sounds to me like they're, they're maybe thinking of releasing apps either for for like two or three dollars a piece or even maybe for free and then uh, build it on microtransactions because they've been doing a lot of free to start stuff with the eShop. And so, you know, it kind of makes sense that they would do similar things on mobile. I'm a little concerned, actually, by the pace at which they're going to be releasing these games because the mobile market is very rapid moving. And in particular, uh, since Nintendo wants to put their IP in front of as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, so that they don't continue to lose market share, um, it's a little concerning to see that they're only going to have five games out by April 2017, which is about two years from now. Like, it, it doesn't seem to me that mobile development should be taking them that long. I know they're probably not putting their full resources on mobile development, but, um, you know, if they want to turn their ship around, they're going to have to be, I think, more aggressive than it seems like they're being. And maybe they prove me wrong, but... Uh, well, what 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 has previously said about this is that they're going for uh, quality games, that they they only want to release fives, so that they can take a lot of time to make sure the quality experiences, and that, that they want those services, they want the, to treat them not just as games, but as gaming services that evolve over time. So rather than just putting out a whole lot of games that people play for you know, a few weeks and then move on to the next flappy bird that comes along. He thinks that Nintendo can keep people hooked on these five titles for, you know, months at a time, possibly even years at a time. Well, and it'll be good if they can realize the service component. Um, I guess I just look at their history with releasing titles on time uh, and in particular ensuring a steady stream of releases. And I don't see a lot of room for confidence uh, when they are already starting with a thin lineup. That's just me. I mean, they, since they're ongoing games, it could be that that fills in the gaps. Yeah, no, I mean, you make good points. I think we'll have to mostly just uh, wait and see like what exactly the depth and, and breadth of these games that they're trying to introduce. Because if it's something like Nintendogs for phones, that's one thing. If it's something like 
Flappy Bird starring a cheap cheap, that's another thing. You know, if it's the latter, they're going to have to have more than five games by 2017. But um, if they're really much richer experiences that people are going to be playing um, for a while and that people are realistically going to be playing for a while, not just that they say they want people to play for a while and then still they abandon after a month. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out, because at this point, I feel like it's too hard to call. And to give you an idea of how much money they expect to make from this, their projected operating income from this year, when he says uh, that the mobile phone division won't really contribute much to the profits, is 50 billion yen, which is about $400 million. But then their forecast for 2016 is twice that. So they're expecting 100 billion yen or around um, $800 million. And of course, that's not all going to be growth from the mobile division, but clearly they're expecting quite a big jump. Nintendo has partnered with DNA for mobile games and with Universal for theme park attractions, so an investor asked Iwata if they plan to enter more partnerships going forward. Iwata replied that Nintendo carefully considers whether potential partners' strengths and weaknesses complement Nintendo well, and uh, whether their corporate cultures are, are compatible with each other. Uh, and Nintendo is only interested in long-term business partnerships, not sort of one-off short-term thing. And that's a good way to approach it because it seems like right now they're having a hard time reaching people uh, just with the strategies that they're using internally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and in particular, even their games are having a hard time reaching people. So rather than try to overextend themselves into a bunch of areas that they're not really that familiar with, it's better for them to bring in partners so they can focus on bolstering the popularity of their games, which are, is their central business. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because I mean, if you look at if you look at Wii U, I mean that thing. I will fight to my death championing that thing for the strongest software lineup possibly of any Nintendo console uh, in history. Yeah, when you evaluate the quality of the games that are right, coming out, there are no real games that are like noticeably bad. Right, but nonetheless, it's a colossal failure, and there's really no way to avoid that. I mean, it's it sold less than half the GameCube in almost the same amount of time. It's not reaching people at all. And that's symptomatic of, I think, a, a larger issue that Nintendo really doesn't understand how to reach gamers. So I, I think I think it is definitely good to to bring in other people who do rather than trying to extend their their resources, as you said, when they, they aren't even doing a good job with what they're working with now. Yeah, so do you think yeah. they and should it's... be more aggressive about finding potential partners or should they stick to this? slow and steady method where they want to carefully I think the slow and steady method is much better because you need to be careful about this sort of thing especially a company like Nintendo to whom quality is the utmost importance far more than profits I think uh, it, it seems to me just observing them in, uh, through history so I, I definitely think careful and gradual uh, expansion of their business is is what they should be doing and what they're going to be doing it seems like they have quite a few suitors and that they're very carefully considering which ones to partner with. Um, like they said, specifically for theme parks, they had a lot of meetings with other companies, and Universal is the one they chose because they thought that that worked best for Nintendo. So I don't think it's a matter of aggressively finding these other people. I think it's a matter of meeting with a bunch of people and carefully considering it rather than aggressively pursuing it. Yeah, and they're lucky in that their IP is still very attractive to uh, these business partners so that... You know, their goal is to be an entertainment company, not just a video game company. And so th that their IP is so attractive means that entertainers from all these other business areas that they're not really involved in are are going to be coming and knocking at their door. So mm -hmm. so really, it, it's to their advantage, like you said, to take the slow and steady approach because they're not hurting for people trying to find ways to work with them. 
Iwata was also asked by an investor if NX could be considered a new handheld, a new home console, or if these terms need to be abandoned altogether when discussing NX. In response, Iwata reiterated that NX is, quote, a brand new concept, but this time he elaborated a little bit to say that the situations in which people play video games are now very different, especially uh, between Japan and other countries. And part of NX's new concept is taking these different play environments into consideration. So still, we don't really know anything about NX, but this is another hint, um, another sort of hint that he's dropped as to what it is. The fact that he alludes to the idea that regional differences are going to come into play suggests very strongly to me that NX is going to be heavily based around services, which you know falls in line with what we've heard about their partnership with DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it falls in line with what we've heard them say about uh, how the next Nintendo platform isn't going to be one device. It's going to be a underlying platform that powers a family of devices. Yeah. Um, so I think we can look at those two facts together uh, to kind of tell us that what they mean by brand new concept really could mean that it's they're going to break down the console handheld paradigm that we've been grown used to. We don't know what that means. It, it could mean mm-hmm. uh, they've spoken before about having hard a hard time uh, porting assets between platforms, having a hard time balancing the demand for a steady stream of software. Uh, And so having services become a strong component of NX would give them a chance to produce software that can touch a wide range of devices, uh, which is, you know, merits. That's the merit behind the iOS comparisons that we've been hearing a lot of make. The question, I guess, is going to be what are the devices actually going to look like? And we just have no clues yet. That's that's definitely a a big possibility that we're looking at multiple different devices that just connect to Nintendo as a service. And that's very much in line with what has been saying. But I have to wonder a little bit how, if Nintendo's capable of pulling off that strategy. Because so far, they haven't been able, in recent years, uh, with the exception of last generation, which was really a fluke, to sell hardware. They haven't been able to convey the value of their hardware to customers. So now if you're looking at multiple different devices and having to market them, you know, can Nintendo pull that off? Well, if we're talking about streaming services, Nintendo has a great track record with online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not not even just streaming services. You look at things like Miiverse, and Miiverse is a fine service from the sense in the sense that it's a cool concept. Uh, the drawing, in particular, got a lot of traction with users. But at the same time, Miiverse is not the ideal messaging service, and it certainly doesn't hold a candle to the kinds of messaging services people are used to on their iPhones, for example. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know that it means streaming services or or even necessarily gaming specific services uh there could be a lot of back-end services that are powering their platform but like you said they don't have a particularly strong platform with online services of any kind gaming or otherwise another possibility to consider is that uh miyamoto has previously stated nintendo could possibly in the future just make a handheld device not actually have a dedicated home console anymore and instead just have a handheld device that can display on tvs so that when you're on the go, it's a handheld, and when you're at home, it's essentially a console. I th- yeah, it's it's it's, it's a cool concept. I guess I just based on their track record with handheld specs, and maybe they're looking to correct their track record. But the specs have usually been pretty poor, and I don't imagine them somehow finding a solution that would make them appropriate for what people expect from TV connections, especially price wise. Yeah, yeah, because uh, because 3ds was priced at launch as much as we was and it certainly wasn't perceived as powerful so yeah who knows and something like that would certainly be pricey 
Square Enix scheduled their E3 presentation for the same time that Nintendo's is every year, and when Nintendo announced their E3 plans, with their presentation at, surprise, the same time as always, Square Enix pushed theirs back an hour almost immediately. So Square's is now at 10 a.m., Nintendo's is at 9, June 15th. Does anyone have anything to say, or is it just Isn't sort it the of... 16th? No, I think it's the 15th. It's the Tuesday. Oh, you're right. It's the 16th. That's the Tuesday. 16th, everybody. <laughs> I guess the one thing that I'd have to say about that is Square Enix is now, I mean, they're already planning to be the last presentation before E3, but now they're cutting it dangerously close to before the convention actually opens. Uh, and there's a lot of action going on after the Nintendo conference as it is, just from historical years, and plus the fallout from the previous day. So in a way, that they're almost burying themselves just as much anyway, uh, <laughs> which... I mean, what can you do? Because the, the schedule's already pretty full. But... Right. Platonic Games expanded on their previous comments that Ukulele's world can be expanded. As it turns out, all the worlds are contained in books, so the worlds will be named things that sound more like the titles of books than they do game levels. Initially, these levels will be about the same size and scope of levels in Banjo-Kazooie, but as you explore, you'll collect pages for the books, which then expand your current game worlds and unlock more content within those levels, uh, more areas within those levels. So they're expanding and unfolding. Like a book with new pages. I have to say, I really like this format, just because a problem with 3D platformers is sometimes they can become a collectathon just for the sake of becoming a collectathon. And this gives you more incentive to collect items, because the main items in the game unlock more content for you to explore. At the same time, I'm kind of concerned that it could lead to a lot of backtracking, especially if the pages are contained outside of the world to which they belong, mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily a platform or a platform isn't necessarily a problem. But uh, when, you know, when you look at games like Banjo-Tooie, the way it handled, you know, backtracking to a different world was there was usually a way to cross over between two different worlds. And if the worlds are all isolated in specific books, I don't know that they'll be pushing that. Also, I'm not sure I'll be able to suspend my disbelief if the pages happen to be contained in the same books to which they belong, because that logic just wouldn't make any sense. The pages are already in the books, but you need to get the pages right. to complete the books. Like, So I, I'm a little worried about backtracking, but... I have a feeling if they, if they do some sort of fast travel, then that can be really easily avoided. Because it's not like these levels are linear in, in the way that sort of like Mario levels were. If, if Mario levels unfolded the same way and then you had to backtrack, go to World 1 and play through five levels to get a collectible that's in the fifth level, I mean, that would be a huge issue. But the, the levels in 3D platformers are significantly more open. So in something like Ukulele, if you go back to just the first world, you can easily make your way to where the new area is in the first world. So I feel like that's not going to be so much of an issue. Hopefully not. Nintendo reports that Wii U sales are up 15% this year over last year, and 3DS sales are up 65%. Um, but this is really a bad story, just disguised as a good one. Nintendo only throws out statistics like this instead of giving actual numbers. If you look back one month, Nintendo said that sales were up 20% on Wii U and 80% on 3DS. So basically, what this report is saying is that Nintendo had a much worse April this year than they did last year. Yeah, and Iwata has said that he expects new Nintendo 3DS to reverse the downward sales trend that the handheld has had, but I don't think that's really viable on a long-term scale. We saw big bursts in sales for the 3DS family in Japan and America as soon as the new 3DS came out, but within weeks they fizzled. Japan went from, you know, selling 200,000 a week as soon as the new 3DS came out to now it's down to 20,000 just a couple months later. 
And I'm sure we're going to see similar things in America. Clearly, there was a worse April. So I, I don't know that new 3DS can really drive sales on even a, a medium-term basis. Well, I'll play devil's advocate for them a little bit. And I'll say that when uh, new 3DS launched in the States, the February and March numbers were pretty good. But they were also driven by Majora's Mask 3D and Monster Hunter 4, uh, both of which fans were anticipating for a long time on 3DS, not on some other platform. Whereas the only game really to come out for a new 3DS since in America is Xenoblade Chronicles, which no one wanted on 3DS. They wanted it in HD on Wii U. So, I mean, when you look at the software releases and the truth that software drives hardware sales, it's not really surprising that 3DS sales are kind of moving toward the cliff. I think the real test will be if they keep injecting actually attractive and actually in-demand software and the sales continue to decline like a paper mario remake yeah my concern for that right now is just that there really is no 3ds launch schedule right now there's outside of fire emblem if and uh binding of isaac rebirth there's really not much announced for the platform you know in the coming months well we can be sure that a new pokemon game is coming this fall and next fall and the fall <laughs> after that well and e3 um, is like next month and, right so yeah absolutely and Unless again they make that new pokemon game have a lot of like features exclusive to the new 3ds i don't think that boosts sales at all because everyone who wants not by a much 3ds for pokemon already has no, not it. by much but i mean i think there is a lot of 3ds software that they're planning that we just don't know about yet um because they don't want to announce a deluge of 3ds software when we're waiting for things well Actually, with the release schedule this dry, it would make sense to hold a direct Nintendo Direct literally any time and announce 3DS software. But um, I think they are planning quite a few uh, remakes. You know, we, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Iwata said that is their strategy for Nintendo 3DS moving forward is remaking games. So I think they are planning a lot of those. I just think we haven't heard about them yet is all. What I'd like for them to do is after they remake those games, make follow-ups to those games yes. in the similar style. That that would get people to come back because people are mm. nostalgic and they might not just buy a game purely based on nostalgia, but you know if they already have their new 3DS and they're looking to justify it and they're big Nintendo fans because they have a new 3DS, then I mean, right. why not? Yeah. So Nintendo may not release official numbers, but there is an industry insider who does. Since Nintendo hasn't confirmed these numbers, they should be treated as unofficial. But Wii U reportedly made up just 10.6% of current-gen home console hardware sales in the last month uh, at 42,890 units sold. Xbox One and PS4 reportedly sold about 187,174,730, respectively. The same industry insider also reported that Xenoblade Chronicles 3D sold under 75,000 units in the U.S. in April, which is also about how much it sold in Japan. For most games, this would be a pretty poor launch, but because it's exclusive to the new Nintendo 3DS and not the entire 3DS install base, um, it has a much, much smaller audience to work with. So, But at the same time, it's also not selling very many new 3DSs, obviously. Well, yeah, but Xenoblade Chronicles isn't an exactly a popular franchise. No, no, and certainly not a remake on a handheld, which no one wanted. Right. Again. <laughs> Fire Emblem If has a new difficulty setting called Phoenix Mode that revives a character just one turn after dying. Obviously, this is great for new players and younger players and really, really bad players, but it's a huge departure from the classic Fire Emblem gameplay where if a character dies in battle, they're gone for the whole game. Of course, they still have the classic mode and the casual mode, but 
wow, this mode is just going to be way too easy. I mean, I guess it's just for people who like the thrill of moving their guys around a board and slaughtering everything and aren't really interested in mastering the strategy. Uh, but they but they also want to get through the story and experience the characters, and they enjoy... I feel like Awakening did that really well, though, with um, yeah. the, what are they called, Reek boxes or something like that? Well, not only that, enemies. but the the difficulty setting where your character, the, the, the casual difficulty mode was, I thought, plenty accommodating as it was. Yeah, I'm terrible at Fire Emblem, and I got through that just fine. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> I'm playing through it on uh, on Classic now, and I'm, I'm still terrible, even though I've beaten it before. <laughs> So there's a new entry in the Pushmo series called Stretchmo with some neat new mechanics and new playable characters. It's a free-to-start model, like most of Nintendo's recent eShop titles. The game offers three sets of 50 levels for $3 each and another set of 100 stages for $5. And you can also just pay $10 if you want to get the entire collection of levels. Um, I haven't had the chance to play it, but I've got to say, it looks like a pretty good value for its price. And the new gameplay... It looks like the most fun in- game in the series by a mile, and I had a blast playing the others, so... I haven't played a Pushmo game. <laughs> Is yeah, that one that, of my shameful I games? I was going to say, that could be one of my games for shame, too. <laughs> Spoilers, guys. Ah, okay. I can't know about them now. I'm actually going to use it. Awada won't be present at E3 this year. Um, of course, this likely only applies to his physical presence in LA. I-, I don't think there's much reason to believe that he won't still host their digital presentation. I would say Bill Trennan could host it, but, you know, he got fired recently. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like they need a better frontman for those Nintendo Directs and presentations anyway. Someone who's more of a, pre- not a performer, but a presenter. Yeah, I I mean, is fine, but uh, his delivery is not the best, I will say. Yeah, although it is very meme-tastic. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I don't, no regrets, but but still. <laughs> So last week we told you we'd let you know when there was more information on how to enter the Nintendo World Championships, and here it is, hot off the presses. You'll have to go to Best Buy and play through a few challenges in Ultimate NES Remix for Nintendo 3DS, and the top scorers will be invited to the event in LA. The big caveat is you have to go to one of eight Best Buy locations across the US. Now remember, this is just the qualifying round, the the one that's supposed to be for everyone to join. And it's only happening in eight cities for the entire country. So some of you are going to have to drive six, eight, ten hours just to get a chance at playing. I live in, like, the L.A. area, and I have to drive six, eight, ten hours just to get a chance at playing. No, there's one There's one right... Is there? Yeah, I think near Culver City. I've literally never no. heard of the name of the town before, but... <laughs> I saw San Francisco, something like that. and that's it. Oh, Torrance, I stand corrected. See, Nintendo only wants true champions at this event. If you're not willing to drive across the country, you're not a true Nintendo champion. They're weeding out the weak. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it sucks. Because this was Nintendo's only sensical opportunity to position itself as a participant in competitive gaming. And thereby actually be taken seriously by that whole community. It's, I mean, it's a great strategy for publicity and for popularity, even in the mainstream gaming culture. I mean, games like Dota, League of Legends, Street Fighter prove this to be true. And to get games like Smash Bros, Mario Kart, Splatoon in these crowds would be huge for Nintendo. And they're a company that's in desperate need of something huge. They dropped the ball hard. I think this is a bad choice as well for the game selection, just because now you're basically fueling this entirely on the nostalgia of 
you know, the Nintendo World Championships from 25 years ago. And I don't think, like, anybody who participated in those is probably going to be driving six hours to participate in these ones. Except Fred Savage. Yeah, yeah except for right. that guy. So, yeah, like you said, Nintendo has a finally has a lineup of pretty good competitive games, and they actually could, you know, make a scene here. But instead, they're just kind of going with this weird nostalgia thing, but it's nostalgia on 3DS. And... Right, well, though, I mean, the whole thing just screams out of touch. I mean... Ultimate NES Remix on Nintendo 3D. Clearly, they're trying to harken back to the original World Championships, which was in the NES days. But gaming is so different now, especially in competitive environments. If you're launching a championship tournament in 2015, you can't base it on games from 1985. That's not nostalgic. That's insane. And then eight locations. I mean, do you want to discourage people from going? Do you want to kill the hype? The whole promise of the Nintendo World Championships, the potential that people were so excited to hear more about and to see realized, was that it would be this absolutely massive event. And here we are with NES Remix, with eight locations. I cannot think of a faster way to kill hype and to set yourselves up as the laughingstock of people who take contemporary gaming seriously. I'll be honest, uh, my expectations were never really that high. Uh, for me, the writing was on the wall. First of all, when they announced the challenges in the N Ultimate NES Remix that they're going to be using, and also when they announced that it was going to be taking place, you know, before E3, but they announced that less than a month before E3, like, people have to have time to prepare for things like this. Uh, Nintendo has to have time pr to prepare for things like this. Uh, it it's sort of telling, too, that they the theme of their skit was... Reggie brings in a kid to start running Nintendo because that's how this whole thing feels. <laughs> uh, also, like... That's what... how a lot of Nintendo has felt lately. Well, yeah, you see their advertising, too, and that underlines it for you. Uh, <laughs> and, and also, like, what the heck is up with using a 3DS game for a huge competitive event? I mean, it'd be one thing if they used, like, NES Remix challenges on Wii U, but handhelds are not designed well, for spectating. Unless it's Pokemon. Right. Well, I think the point of... Well, I have no idea what the point is for NES Remix on 3DS to be the preliminary game, but I don't think that's going to be the game in the actual tournament. I think this is just for the preliminary rounds. I'd hope um, not. That, that was my I, first I have suspicion too, serious but, trouble but you look at how this whole thing has gone, and and so I'm not... Yeah, I mean, maybe. Not that but, confident. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, I will say, you look at the three games, they're all Mario games. This is the year of Mario, the 30th anniversary. And the, uh, you know, in The Wizard, I think I said this last time, they yeah. announced basically Mario Super Galaxy Mario 3, Brothers 3. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's just a giant publicity stunt to announce a new Mario game. The That's thing is, me. though, if you're going to do a publicity stunt, it has to be interesting so that you actually it should be get a worthwhile publicity. One. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This definitely. is like, uh, have you seen Rat Race? When they say the line, a secret publicity stunt? That's basically what this <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah, well, it it seems like a token effort. I mean, you just look at how this is shaping up. You look at how it's not as widespread as anyone would have wanted it to be if it were actually taken seriously. Uh, it just screams PR event and not serious gaming competition. Yeah. Especially is, the way they announced it. Which is a huge shame, especially because reviving the Nintendo World Championships, I mean, that's that would be basically their one big way to set foot into competitive gaming which as i said would be huge for nintendo and they need something huge but now they've kind of wasted that opportunity on dr mario high score challenges and yeah. even if I mean, not to on. break into the competitive gaming scene we talked last week about nintendo mania 
how in the late 80s and early 90s, Nintendo wasn't just a game con uh, company. They were just a cultural phenomenon. And, you know, this is not the way you go about reigniting something like that. They're, they're doing nothing to draw attention to this, really. Like Alex said, they announced it less than a month in advance, and, you know, they're putting on a system that's not good for spectating. They're using game. They're just none of this strategy is really going to draw attention. It just kind of seems like this quaint little thing. Oh, hey, look what we're doing. But I don't think anyone's looking. It's all Tanner's fault. <laughs> yeah, stupid Tanner. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think this is the time or place for the Nintendo World Championships anyway, because Nintendo certainly isn't at the height of its popularity like they were in the NES era when this made sense. No, certainly. Um, and the reason why that was such a big deal was because Nintendo was so big. It was not that existing that made Nintendo big. That was It was a product of Nintendo's popularity. So I, yeah. I feel like they need to boost their own popularity first before they announce something like this. At least if they're going to take it yeah. seriously. In the original Star Fox games, all the characters had prosthetic metal legs. Nintendo created some lore to explain it, but game theory has proven that explanation to be scientifically inaccurate. Who would have thought that the story of talking space animals wouldn't hold up to science? Game theory then provides a theory, an alternate and scientifically plausible explanation for why everyone got themselves amputated. So you can check that out if you're interested. And before we get to our lightning round, I want to let you guys know that we got a review copy of Splatoon for Gamnesia. Uh, I've been playing the heck out of it, and on this Sunday, I'm going to be answering your questions about the game on our YouTube channel. So if you're interested in that, you can find the article at Gamnesia.com. Just search for Splatoon, and it should come up. Post your question as a comment on that Q&A announcement post, and I'll try to answer as many as I can. There is an embargo on certain information, so I won't be able to answer everyone's questions, but I will be answering everything that I can talk about and doing my best to do so. You can subscribe to us at Gamnesia TV on YouTube to see the video right when it's uploaded, or keep checking on the site on Sunday uh, to see when it makes it to the homepage. It's a great chance to learn more about Splatoon if you've been looking for someone's candid thoughts, if you have a specific question about it, so feel free to ask away. So, so does this mean we get to ask you questions too? Well... Yeah, if you, so, if you have one. So a few weeks ago, we were talking about voice chat in Splatoon and how you mm -hmm. said it was a cardinal sin that it didn't exist. And I tried to yeah. make, you know, a devil's advocate sort of uh, comment about how, you know, they yeah. at least designed the game to try to get around no voice chat. So right. now that you've played it, what do you think? Does the well, game they need definitely voice chat? have designed the game around not needing voice chat, or at least if they haven't designed it around not needing voice chat, they've designed it in a way that doesn't demand voice chat. Um, voice chat would certainly help make the experience better, especially, um, if you know the people that you are on a team with, but it is not necessary if you know what you're doing. I have run into several people who I see them running around with a roller in giant open areas and getting killed every four seconds. And I'm just thinking, what are you doing? Go on the paths that are designed for the width of a roller that are enclosed that no one else can get to except for rollers. Or at least don't I, die, right? Yeah, I, I see. I see a lot of people doing some really stupid stuff. Um, it is a if, new game, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, and especially during this, you know, pre-release review period, people are sort of experimenting. Oh, especially if you see people picking the roller. <laughs> I will say. But, um, but yeah, it, it, voice chat would certainly help. But if you know what you're doing in the game, you're not going to need it. Um, the question is if your teammates need it, and that can always be really frustrating. Okay. That's about what I thought based on my test fire yeah. experience. So I mean, on so. honestly, I was I was um, I was surprised by by the lack of necessity for voice chat. Right. Uh, I mean, it's such it a visual game, right? 
Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, smart players can can cooperate successfully without it. Um, yeah, but how did you do? <laughs> I did much better than 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 most people, surprisingly. And I'm terrible at shooters. The motion controls really helped me. Yeah, I'm um, in the same boat. I totally thought yeah. I was going to suck it up because I had never played it at E3 mm-hmm. even. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was usually top one or two scorer on my team. Yeah, no, it, it, I'm really impressed. I love it. Anyway, uh, on to the lightning round. As always, to conclude this news segment of this week's show, we're bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. We've got some upcoming dates for you to look out for. The Splatoon Global Test Fire returns on May 23rd from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time. On May 29th, Toys R Us is restocking the Lucario and King Dedede Amiibo. May 29th is also the release date of Amiibo Wave 4, including Jigglypuff, Greninja, and Silver Mario, as well as the release date for Splatoon and its accompanying Amiibo. Uh, in general, the Splatoon Amiibo are sold out at most retailers as far as pre-orders go. If you're lucky, you will be able to catch them on, at Walmart or Target or those other major retailers, since it's unlikely that you'll probably f- yeah, that you'll find them on release day. And then a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. Club Nintendo slashed the prices of its physical rewards. Also, Club Nintendo Europe introduced new items to its stars catalog. We've got some new screenshots of Project X-Zone 2. You'll be able to play as over 20 dinosaurs in LEGO Jurassic World. Nintendo helped Monolith Soft implement online features in Xenoblade Chronicles X. Xenoblade Chronicles X's director discusses the designs and super weapons of the game's mechs. Ukulele is now the most funded Kickstarter game in UK history. Nintendo teamed up with Mega64 to make their E3 announcement video for two years in a row now. Nintendo will hold a business presentation during E3 as well, discussing games coming out this year and early next year. Platonic Games, which is, of course is former Rareware developers, share their six rules for a perfect platformer. Smashified shows us how Travis from the fan-made Mother 4 would look in Super Smash Bros. A fan-made mod turns Smash Bros. Brawl into a Dragon Ball Z fighting game. Marth, Meta Knight, and Ike Amiibo are being restocked in limited quantities. We would be upset about this, but it's pretty much all the same stuff we said on the show before. The new Nintendo 3DS and the new XL are being discounted at Tesco and Amazon for the UK. There was lots of Splatoon news this week, including... Nintendo released a new Splatoon commercial. We got more info on the single-player levels and storylines. Nintendo's Minute. Nintendo Minute showed off lots of footage for the offline local multiplayer battle mode. We got a new weapons trailer. We have footage from the Splatoon Mess Fest, that celebrity obstacle course. Japan is getting Splatoon plushies in July. Target is offering a free Splatoon squirt gun when you buy the game. Alex, it's your merchandising wish. It's so cheap looking, though. (laughs) Did you really expect anything else? No. (laughs) A Splatoon manga was released in Japan, and a fan translated it. And finally, Nintendo hopes that Splatoon will attract former fans to Wii U. So that's all for this week's news. After the break, we are going to talk about Nintendo games that we shamefully haven't played. And of course, we're going to be shaming each other for the massive titles that we have missed out on. Stay tuned.
Alright everybody, so we are back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Yay. And Ben LeMoreau. I am ready for the shame. <laughs> and we are discussing what Nintendo games that we shamefully haven't played. None of us know any of the games on each other's lists, so we are going to be shocked and surprised and heavily shameful shaming whatever there may be tears of, uh, there will be tears because i know you haven't played mother three uh, of um but heavy shaming of the games that are on each other's lists so let's let's get started i'm ready i'm ready for the hate who's gonna who's gonna go <laughs> you're ready for the hate so you should go all right that's that's fair enough um well i'll start it off soft uh i am a big donkey kong fan Oh god, this is such a cop out. I'm just gonna say it. I'm no 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 build up. I haven't played DK Jungle Climber. Wow. <laughs> That's your That's a heavy game. hitter. No, that was that was that was one of the ones that I put on there just like just cuz. And I'm such a big Donkey Kong guy. So it doesn't really count. Um it's I haven't Colin's played joke post. Well, I'll I'll throw in another one because that one's just not a good one. Th- this is good because I'm like a big Pokemon guy played just about everything but i haven't played black or white 2 i've heard good things about them i've heard they're way better than black and white i've actually heard um that they solve a lot of the world building issues that i have with modern pokemon games and just haven't had the heart to pick them up i can't shame you too bad for that just because i was kind of disheartened with black and white one so i almost didn't pick up the sequels either but Unlike, you know, the first two games, you can actually get Pokemon from every generation of Black and White 2. So it it fixed one of the biggest problems for me is that, you know, such a small arsenal of Pokemon. And then also, I personally think that Gen 5 has the weakest lineup. So Mm. I I would recommend if you enjoyed Black and White 1 even a little bit that you should play Black and White 2. Or at least um, get a time machine and go back in time and just never buy Black and White 1. (laughs) <laughs> and buy black and white and too instead well good uh good shaming ben you're really embracing the spirit of this discussion <laughs> i'm glad you made that time machine comment i wish i could do that because i i can't shame Com- colin at all because i too have not played pokemon black and white oh yeah too. was that was that one of your uh was that no one of yours? no it was not one of mine did you play the first ones i did and they left such a bad taste in my mouth that i decided never again and then i bought x and y and went through the same thing <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who's who's going next? Let's go reverse alphabetical order. Ben. <laughs> All right. So I actually, <laughs> I don't know. I've got a few things on my list, and I'm I'm going hardcore. Instead of just going for like individual good games, I'm Jungle going Punk. for. Nintendo franchises that I've barely or not at all touched. Okay. Did you say you've raised the stakes? Yeah, basically. So my first one is F Zero. Okay. Ooh. I have played the first F Zero on Super Nintendo. Uh, for maybe a total of like half an hour, and I have not touched a single other game in the series. No GX. Only half an hour. No GX. You haven't even like even cumulatively, you haven't built up a half an hour more than a half an hour over time. Correct. Wow. Really? I don't even like F Zero all that much, and I've definitely played more than half an hour of the Super Nintendo version just because I play video games, and that's a yeah. video game. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Here I was thinking I was going to be ashamed about my lack of F Zero, but. Uh... all right alex next one okay um this one's gonna hit you both right in the feels oh no i have not played earthbound get out i I own it i I bought it it on wii u virtual console you own it and you haven't played it and i haven't played it i played like an i played up to two 
the second town, whatever it's called. I don't even remember. Too That's soon? how bad I am. It literally has person. two in the name. Colin, sidebar. Yeah. Can we fire him like right now? I was going to say, you're not welcome back on this podcast until you've beaten Earthbound. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a lie. No, I, I I like what a lot of what's going on with it. Um, it's just the minute-to-minute gameplay is kind of a drag for me. So it's, yeah, it took I, it, it was hard for me to get into it at I first. I can feel that. Mother 3 fixed um, a lot of that issue uh, just because they introduced a running mechanic. Yeah. Which, I mean, the fact that you're restricted to walking unless you're riding your bike, in which case you can't have anyone in your party at the time, that does, it does hurt the flow yeah, of the game. Yeah, and c- the controls sure. also aren't my favorite. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I feel that. Ugh, still upsetting. <laughs> well, uh, I will go on to my next one. Ben raised the stakes a little bit, so I'll say that's basically my situation, except with Star Fox. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed Star Fox Command, I think it was, on the DS. But that's not really that much of a Star Fox game, and I basically have no memory of it anymore. So, really, I've played maybe an hour of Star Fox 64, and other than that, I don't... I have a massive collection of games, and I that's, I think, the only one that I have in the series. So, you didn't pick it up on 3DS, or...? Nope. Ugh. No. It's very you good. You should. It's a pretty good remake, actually. I, I played it on 3DS for just, like, a minute just to see the comparison. Uh, like, a friend of mine had it. And I the voices just killed it for me. They changed some of it. No, they can, they they were horrible originally, and they continue to be horrible. Yeah, but they're... Even when but they But at least them. the original ones were horrible in an original way. These ones are just yeah. bad voice. Like, they had an opportunity to fix it, and they just kept it bad. If they were going to keep it bad, they should have kept the classic nostalgic ones that, you know, everyone knows and loves. So I guess that begs the question, if the new Star Fox has better voice acting, will you buy it? Well, I'll probably buy the new Star Fox anyway, just because. Because you're the Wii U apologist. Yeah. Also, you write for gaming. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ben, so I'm up us. next, and I think this, this next one is slightly more shameful. I'm trying to go in order and build up to the big one that's going to make you guys hate me. So the second series Zelda. that I've barely touched at all is Fire Emblem. And by barely touched it all, I mean I had the one on Game Boy Advance just because I got it as a free ambassador game. So that'd be Sacred Stones, I think. Just to be clear, you're talking about entire series here, right? Entire Not just Fire the Game Emblem Boy game series. Fire Emblem. I'm saying Ugh. out of all of the Fire Emblem series, uh, yeah. I've just played Sacred Stones for like... Not even Awakening? Not Awakening is no. one of the best games ever made. Awakening is like agree with one of the best 3DS games ever made. Well, maybe I'll have to How? pick it up Awakening over the is summer like when I'm crack. bored and have nothing to do. Because, you know, I, I like strategy and such, but I just I I couldn't get into summer. Sacred Stones when I played it, and I haven't tried any of the other games in the series. Yeah, well, I, I understand not being able to get into Sacred Stones. I feel like the, the older Fire Emblem games have much higher entry gaps, but... They're also not as... Fun. Yeah, I was yeah. really bored by Which the early pacing. plus for Awakening. yeah. But they fixed so much of that by the time Awakening rolls around, and Awakening Awakening actively fixes a lot of that. So, I mean, there's, oh, it's just such a good game. You've, if, if you haven't been able to get interested in the other ones, you've got to start at Awakening. All right, maybe I'll give it a shot. After yeah. Alex yeah. beats Earthbound. The writing's better. Characters are more dynamic. Graphics are pretty nice. Graphics are really for, nice, you know, yeah. a 3DS Fire Emblem game. And I hate feet, so. <laughs> I guess that's me then. Yeah. Um... So a lot of people would say this is the worst game to have not played out of this franchise, and that's Donkey Kong Country Two. I own Get it. out! I have started it. I have played some of it. I have not finished it. I have not progressed. Okay, very the question far is, how far have you gotten? I beat the first two worlds. Okay. 
honestly, that was farther than I've gotten until I was about like 16 or so. Yeah, no, I, I, I was even exposed to it when I was a kid and even going back to it now, mm-hmm. like I still haven't gotten very far. Well, I feel like Donkey Kong Country 2 is really easy to love. It's been one of my fa- like I played it when I was like three or four years old. I am that young, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, well, and I'll add insult to injury. I don't think it's the bee's knees or anything. Is it the zinger's knees? I like knees? the pirate theme. I actually played Donkey Kong Land 2, but for some reason it's not grabbing me. I don't know why. Hmm. That's sad. Very sad. It's such a, it's such a good game. It's so atmospheric The soundtrack and is fantastic. It's so good. And I, I, what I really like about Donkey Kong Country 2 is that you're going into the pirates' territory. You're, you're invading the Kremlings' homeland. That's some real Yeah, the premise right is cool. There. It's... I don't know. I played I played the original Donkey Kong Country, mm-hmm. and I guess one of the things that I'm not liking about DKC2 is the extreme focus on collectibles. Oh, I don't uh, really bother with the The levels are still well-designed by themselves, but I feel like they're just throwing so much crap to do. The only me, collectibles were the, of just the, the, level the Krem coins and the, DT, the DK tokens, and the DK tokens aren't even really, I mean... They're there. Crem coins are kind of fun, them, kind of fun to find, but Crem coins are mostly just like know. rewards for beating bonus stages and stuff. I feel like there weren't really yeah. many collectibles in two. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, compared to one, it's it's. I mean, there were pretty more. Ex- it feels very extreme, yeah. and even compa- even compared to uh, returns, well, I didn't really focus on puzzle pieces that much. Okay, well, I, but, I'm uh, mad at you. <laughs> you should be You're a um, terrible human being. If we're gonna go with sequels. I think you guys might be upset with me on this one. This, this one, I have neither played Metroid Prime Two nor Three. I played Metroid Prime for the first time last summer. Oh God! Yeah, and I haven't played I Metroid was, Prime Two or Three. I was almost gonna say I can forgive you since you've played one, but then you said you hadn't played it till last last year. summer. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, rough. at that point I was I was thinking I should probably just play Metroid Prime at this point. Nicola was still at my throat for not having played Mass Effect, but I was like, you know what? That can wait. <laughs> I'm actually playing Mass Effect right now. As we speak. Why are you not playing Earthbound right now? Because I'm playing Mass Effect. Earthbound is the much better game with aliens. Obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, so back to Colin shaming. Um, <laughs> is there any reason why you never moved on to 2 and 3? Uh, I think probably just mostly timing. I remember I picked up 3 when it came out because I hadn't really been much of a Metroid guy up until then. And I felt like that was my big opportunity to get into it. Especially um, the Wii was newer, and the motion controls I've always just felt were so much better fit for shooters, uh, especially first-person shooters. So I got that, and I played through like an hour tops. Um, But, you know, by this point, this is nearly 10 years later, I've just almost completely forgotten anything that happened in in that first hour of gameplay. So Gotcha. Yeah, uh, it's mostly just a matter of time. And um, I also... Metroid Prime was amazing, but there was so much backtracking in it that it was really hard for me once I was done to say, okay, I want to play more Metroid Prime. You know what I mean? Because at that point I was just, I was walking from one end of a place to another just so that I could get to an elevator to get to a different zone and then go all the way through that zone just to get one key to unlock the next thing and then go all the way back. It's a bit of a grind. I think I feel like at least half of the time I spent playing that game was just walking through worlds meaninglessly just so I could get some arbitrary thing. Yeah. And you know, Metroid Prime is still a fantastic game, but that grind just sort of by the time I was done Metroid Prime, I wasn't itching to move on to the next one. And I think I'll probably pick them up some at some point later, 
when I am itching to play more Metroid Prime and I can play a new experience rather than uh, replaying the original and just experiencing that a second time. But as for now, I... Eh. So I guess follow-up question, have you played any other Metroid games or just Metroid Yeah, Prime? Fusion, uh, I played about halfway or more through Super Metroid. I loved both of them. I beat Fusion, love Fusion. It's one of my favorite games. Ah. Um, you might have mentioned this before. I Probably at some point. I don't know if I have on the podcast, but but yeah. I, I do love 2D Metroid. Um, it's just a matter of playing enough of it. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, Metroid fans might crucify me for saying this, but I think fast travel between save points would go a long way. Oh, so much better. Just or if not save, save points. points, then maybe just like a few specific areas that allow for it, like yeah. teleporters or sure. something. I mean, yeah. it'd even be plausible for that to happen since there are already these crazy little technology pads anyway. Anyway, yeah. and I mean, they're, they're really big worlds. They really need fast travel. Yeah, yeah. And you, anyway. you don't gain a lot out of just wandering back to the place you were before, unless right. you pick up stuff along the way. But if you want to do that, you'll do that. Right. All right, Ben. So this is... The big shameful thing on my list that you guys are going to be very upset with me for. Right. So I'm going to preface it by saying I have played a little bit of these games. I just haven't played any of them all the way through. I think I know it's coming. I did not grow up with a GameCube. I've never beaten a Pikmin game. No! Crucify him. No! I got Pikmin 3. No! As, as, I thought as, you were going to say Kirby and I was going to forgive you for that. But Pikmin? <laughs> well, I've barely played any Kirby either. That's because Kirby just bores the hell out of me. But Pikmin, I got Pikmin 3 as my free game for Mario for buying Mario Kart when they had that promotion going on. Cue the little ghost And I've, I've, I've played a few days into it, and I liked it, but I just, I don't know, I haven't felt compelled to just, like, sit down and tear through it. And then, like I said, I didn't grow up with a GameCube, so I just played a little bit of the first two games at, like, Friends House and things like that. But I've, I've never really sat down and played a Pikmin I'm game all the way through. I'm sitting here with my face buried in my palms, just well, uh... sad for you. Yeah, yeah, dear Gamnesia readers and uh, and Gamnesia staff, if you ever needed evidence that Ben has no soul, you now have your evidence. <laughs> uh, Pikmin is just such a fulfilling game. I just love it. Every every emotion that a human can feel, I feel with Pikmin. See, that's why I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ben has oh, no I happiness, no Pikmin sadness. So much. And no I can't empathy. believe you, and I hate oh. you, and I'm never talking to you again. This is going to make oh, for an awkward this kind E3. of awkward. <laughs> a bunch of terrible episodes coming up. <laughs> um, We're going to have to all communicate with me as the leader. I'm surprised that hasn't come up before, that, that, that this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Yeah, I mean, it's just my deep, dark secret that I've kept away from you for all these years. <laughs> I can never let him know. It's like I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, top that, Alex. Is it yeah. is it our is it our big bad shameful round? Are we going for number ones here? That was probably um, my big bad. I already got my number one for you guys out of the way. I mean, I guess that my next one's pretty bad uh, if you're a, a longtime hardcore fan of the series. But I haven't played, really, owned uh, either Super Mario Kart or Mario Kart DS. That's okay. And the reason why I consider these <laughs> shameful is because a lot of people consider them to be the best games in the series. Super Mario Kart, no. I haven't played a lot of Mario Kart DS, so I can agree with you on that one. But Super, I played a lot growing up. Super, whoever says that is the best game in the series is horribly misguided. Um, Mario Kart DS, I feel like there's an okay case for it, but Mario Kart 8 is, without question in my mind, the best game in the series. Um, oh, I agree. Uh, I'm going to give you a pass on that just one, because I don't find purest. that to be that shameful. I, ju- I just don't. I'm ashamed. They're they're apparently both great games. They're apparently 
represent you know when Mario Kart had a great battle mode and a great single player campaign. Not that most people care. I certainly don't, but apparently I should because apparently DS definitely did have a great single player mode. There are challenges and all this crazy stuff that I'm shocked hasn't come back. Eh, They just want to put in the effort. Yeah. Well, that Um, doesn't register too highly on our shimometers, so I guess you're all right. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I've been getting uh, gradually less shameful. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll have survived this round, Alex. I'll have a bonus. Here here's a game that I've played, but I didn't enjoy. Okay. Yoshi's Island on Super Nintendo. Now, okay. see, like, 10-year-old Ben would kick your ass <laughs> for saying that, but 24-year-old Ben agrees with you. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of that game as a kid, but now, as an adult, I just don't find it very appealing, and I haven't found any of the sequels very appealing either. Um, yeah. add that to my shame list. What? I played Yoshi's Island a little bit when I was younger. But I remember so little of it, and I played Yoshi's Island DS actually for a little while, and I still remember so little of it. I, Mostly you I, just shoot eggs at things. I know. I, I, I don't remember, oddly, I don't remember enough of Yoshi's Island to to consider myself to have really played it and experienced it. Wow. Um, so that's, I hadn't thought of that one somehow. That didn't make it on my list, but huh. I didn't, I hadn't played it till i got the ambassador version either so and and people don't consider that the the true yoshi's island anyway yeah the game boy advanced um, one yeah anyway well if we're if we're going with number ones this one is gonna shock you i imagine i have not played banjo kazooie what are you yeah. kidding me nope haven't played banjo kazooie i again i've played maybe 20 30 minutes of it but not enough to really have considered myself to have played banjo kazooie I just love the characters. I love the worlds. I love Rareware, and I love 3D platformers. No, so... no, you can't dig yourself out of this hole now. Alex informed no. Colin that I am no longer speaking to him. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just yeah. I, I guess Ben's no I, longer speaking I, to you. I love, I love like the worlds of Banjo Kazooie, and I'm super stoked for Ukulele. And I no, you don't really get want... to play Ukulele until I you really, play Banjo Kazooie. I really want, I really want more more 3D platforming stuff, but I just haven't played it. Did you ever play uh, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day? Nope. Did you play like anything? Conqueror's Bad Fur Day is crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah, I played all the Donkey Kong Country games. I played Diddy Kong Racing. Okay, the, how I about played... the the N sixty four era? Uh, nope. Donkey no Kong Banjo Tooie either. Actually, I played Donkey Kong sixty four. Okay, but, that's, that's uh, a little better. I was I was too young to realize that it was a bad game, which I've only I've only heard in recent years. So <laughs> it's those darn mini games. And how they're everywhere. Yeah, but I, yeah, I know. For, for someone who champions Banjo and Kazooie so much as like awesome characters and great games, I've never actually played them for myself. I'm gonna take your fan card away and yeah, feel free to dreads. do that. That is that is like by far big shame factor on my list here. So and then I'm gonna spread the pieces of your shredded fan card across Banjo Kazooie's worlds, so you have to play it to get them back. That's. I thought you were going to do something much crueler. Like, I will gladly do that to recollect my, my fan cards. You have three days. Glad I can motivate you. <laughs> because awesome. this podcast is going to be really awkward if none of us awesome. are talking. So, Alex, I noticed something that was not on your list. Mother 3. Well, I mean, have you played I haven't it? played Earthbound, so goes without saying. Oh, Alex! Mother 3. Alex! Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It hurts, now. Can't help it. I will have my it. unfounded revenge. Ba-dum. I can't help it, but I kind of don't really want to. I'll play Earthbound first, and then I'll decide whether I, I want to play Honestly, Mother Honestly, at this point, I would just play Mother 3 first. 
No, we'll play really? Earthbound first. Really? Yes, really. I, I already have. Don't Earthbound. listen to Colin. He doesn't play Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> I well. I I have played both, and I like Mother Three significantly. I love Earthbound, but Mother Three is, I think, one of the greatest games ever made, and that will ever be made. So I I mean I still think you should play that first if if you really? haven't played Earthbound. Yeah. I mean, it'll be hard to go back to Earthbound just because there's no running mechanic. Yeah, um, that's going to be a problem for me. I already have Earthbound. I should play that first. Yeah, play Earthbound enough. first. Yeah. It'll give some of the things in Mother 3 a little bit more sentimental value. Wait for that's when what Mother I hear, 3 yeah. comes out in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when uh, they announce it at E3, right? When it comes out in July well, with, with the Lucas fingers DLC? fingers crossed they announced that alongside Lucas DLC. Yeah. We know that's coming, and there's it's no better happen. time to release Mother 3, because they already have GBA games on Virtual Console, and that would be yep. like, the, the fan translator is offering his translation for free, so that launch would be like the cheapest thing that they could possibly do and still hype up as this big game release. So there's no reason that they could possibly have not to want to do it. Agreed. But now we'll timing see. is perfect. Yeah. Uh, the, the stage is set. And now DCMC is going to play. Maybe they'll announce that at, at uh, Nintendo no World Championships. No one who three is going to get that reference. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, I see you're uh, being rather exclusive. Yes. You know, of me. Sad uh, yeah. face. Sad. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This is the Ando Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it, especially if you have good things to say instead of bad ones. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. Uh, we love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Um, and again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com. C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A dot C-O-M. Did I just... Ballet. Is that, is that suspense? Was that good? Did I do it, guys? I didn't know what was going to happen next. <laughs> And uh, if you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even more Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week.